Hey guys, it's Jennifer with the Shooter's Mindset and we are live with episode 412. Uh, we've got our co-hosts tonight, our Greg Cannon. How's it going, Greg? Good. How about y'all? Good. And our other co-host, Corey, is kind of uh, on the road. So he's got a little thug life theme going on <laughs> in the background there. We need to get him a hat. <laughs> oh, I got a hat. I'll get one on. <laughs> How's it going, Corey? Man, just trying to stay on the road. <laughs> stay on the road and don't get distracted by Bucky's. I, yeah, no promises. So before we get into our guest of the hour, I wanted to just say that we want to kind of dedicate this episode of The Shooter's Mindset to Jim Scouton of Shooting USA. Um, our thoughts and prayers are with John and the Scouton family and the entire Shooting USA family as um, Jim passed away. So he really was such a pioneer for so many people sitting in their dens watching about, you know, shooting for years, decades, really. Um, and there's a quote from the Shooting USA website that says, He's done more to popularize the shooting sports than any other individual or organization, reaching multiple generations with the invitation to bring out your guns and enjoy some competition. And I think that's very, very true of him uh, and the spirit that he had. He was just a, a, a great ambassador for shooting and a great guy overall. So our thoughts and prayers are definitely with uh, all of his family and friends. Um, and then... To get to the guest of the hour for this week, we've got none other than Greg Bell. Mr. Greg Bell, how's it going? Very good, Jen. Thank y'all for having me on. Yeah, we love having you on. We've had you on a couple of times, talk about some different things. <clears throat> so for anybody that is not familiar with you, maybe new to the sport or whatever, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into shooting, and tell us about all the hats that you wear right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I, so I've been shooting TRS style competition since 2016. Um, and um, without going into the whole background, um, I, uh, I was friends with a guy who won the Golden Bullet back in the, I think it was either 13 or 14. His name was Dustin Morris. And, through being friends with him, he's the one that kind of, kind of got me into the sport. And, uh, of course, the first match I ever shot, I think, was the last match he ever shot. So I never got to shoot with him like I wanted to. Uh, but since then, I've just it's just kind of been a lot of fun. I've been very blessed to be able to shoot all the way across the country and meet a lot of different people. Um, and really, most of my best friends are in this sport, you know. And, and so I've been pretty lucky. Got a chance to go to France last year with the U.S. team um and had just <laughs> more fun than a barrel full of monkeys uh doing that um and so i was very blessed to be able to do that as far as the hats that i wear um man i guess husband um dad farmer brother son um i guess professionally shooter i don't know if that's a professional title or not but i'm a shooter um and and then I've been, um, ever since France, I've been able to be heavily involved and I'm now the president of the United States Precision Rifle Association, which who we are is we're the, we're the recognized organization of the IPRF for the US to set the selection standards and then also select and send teams 
um, to the world championships. Um, just so happens that um, now some more things have happened this year and I've got a little bit bigger role in a few other things. But president of the USPRA is something I'm proud of and, and, and really enjoy doing right now. That's awesome. That's been such a um, new and growing thing. And I know you just came back from France just on fire. I think you uh, I think you enjoyed France more than anybody. It looked like you just loved it. And I could tell you were posting about it and sharing. And that was great because it gave all of us back home a little glimpse into it. And uh, I know you came back and said, I'm going to get involved and help keep this going. So that was a uh, really, really great. Yeah, it's easy when you have a passion about something. And I do have a passion not only about, you know, PRS style shooting, but also about, you know, the international organization and the friends that I made over there and, and that I still talk to on a weekly or semi-weekly basis, you know, from overseas. Um, that's been that's been a lot of fun. That's been something that I never really imagined whenever I got into the sport that I would have that kind of opportunity. And so I was I was very lucky to be able to do that. And I think when you were over there, you you inspired a lot of other people, you know, you were one of the best sources for information while everybody was over there. Um, I know you inspired us. Um, inspired is a strong word. Um, well, <laughs> just be careful when referring with that to me. <laughs> uh, all I know is we saw your expert live streaming skills and now we're fixing to go to Italy to try and live stream the uh, Rimfire World Championship match. So you well, I don't, I don't know if it was skills as much as I was having fun and, and wanting to keep people up to date with how the rest of the team was doing. I was proud of those guys and ladies. And um, so it was fun just maybe helping, helping everybody else keep up with it. It was very crude, though, so let's be super honest. <laughs> yeah, but it was still uh, – I, I was watching your page as much as I could because you did do a good job of, you know – showing what our team was doing over there for everybody back home. And we, we really appreciate that. I hope so. Um, that was, I was lucky to be there. So you're uh you shoot a lot of the uh, 308. How does it feel beating all those Dasher boys with God's caliber? Just so everybody knows that's watching this, that was not the question that I came up with. Um, and uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That, that being said, it, it's been a lot of fun. I, I've described it. I mean, which the reason I switched over very selfishly is because I'm not a top six shooter in open. I, I don't feel like I'm bad, but I'm not that good. And I felt like shooting 308 would be the path for me to be able to make the world team. I still want to try to participate if I can, you know. And so that being said, it was fun to switch over. Um, it, it's been interesting this year. It's been a learning curve. Um, I feel like I still learn a little bit more each match, and that's a fun thing, right? You want to continually feel like you're getting better. Um, that being said, there's been some benefits. Um, you definitely see more splash on targets or in the dirt, depending upon what you're shooting at. Um, you definitely um, – there's not as much pressure on myself going into a match. Um, I mean, I could win a match with a 308. But the odds are that that's not going to happen. And so it's not you go into it just wanting to compete against yourself as much as anything. And so I don't know. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's it's cool every now and then when I shoot a stage and I do good and somebody shooting a ballistically superior caliber doesn't hit as many targets. But, you know, to be honest with you, 
those are my buddies. And so it's not like I'm thinking that I'm just thinking that I'm having fun, you know, shooting a little bit different challenge, you know? So is it, is it hard to go back to relate to the, uh, to the full grown men that are shooting children's calibers while you're shooting a 308? I'm sure everybody can tell at this point who's, who's, who's writing these questions. Uh, no, it is not. They're all my buddies. And if I was a better shooter and I could make the top six and open, I would still be shooting children's calibers. So that's, you know, it don't bother me. Sorry, I'm sitting here with a 22 behind me. So um, <laughs> speak, speaking of buddies, uh, Matt Steiner's in the comments. He said, I'm coming for you. <laughs> no doubt. Um, there's, there's a lot of good, there was, there's quite a few good 308 shooters, you know, so it wasn't, I knew from the get-go it wasn't going to be a walk in the park against those guys and and Steiner and Scott Peterson and Brantley and Coulter and I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody but anyway there's there's a lot of good shooters shooting 308 and there's stiff competition so I'm and I'm grateful for that I want to shoot against guys who are better than me. That really does make it fun and help you grow. It does. I mean, I wish, you know, somebody joked with me the other day um, and told me that a top shooter that that everybody would recognize that he was switching over to 308. And I was like, man, that's great. You know, and now turned out this guy was pulling my leg a little bit, um, but I hope so. I mean, I want uh, nothing would make me happier than to see a, a top six guy switch over because now I have better competition. Right. And I can measure myself against that guy. So, you know, I, I think it's been a lot of fun. Man. That's one thing I love about this sport is that everybody wants to win, but people don't want to win just because other people aren't doing well. Everybody wants everybody to come and do their best and then they want to still be the one that won. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not, they. everyone yeah. wants to win because they uh, have grown and done well, not because someone else did poorly. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm probably going to make the most unpopular statement ever on your podcast. So be careful. Okay. I don't understand people who spotlight deer and brag about it because there was no accomplishment in that. And it's the same way with shooting, right? Like I just want to shoot against the best guy on his best day. It's a very similar deal. So I'm sorry if y'all get hate mail about me criticizing spotlighters. Um, and so anyway, that's just how I feel about it. I think a lot of shooters have a, have a similar opinion. You know, I, I think one of the coolest things you see is, you know, you'll see two shooters in the top 10 and one of them's having an equipment issue or something like that. And another shooter from the top 10 is, you know, here's my backup optic. Here's, there's a trigger right here. Here's my fix it sticks. You know, none of us want to beat anybody with that's having equipment issues. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And there's even been matches where the match director I've seen pulling apart guns with uh, the tools and stuff to get people in. And at one match, I saw Keith Rudisill applying oil to Coulter's bolt to uh, get his ejector unseat. Speaking of Coulter, you definitely need to oil that thing once in a while. You don't want to use Motorola from a 2014 F-150. <laughs> <laughs> sounds a little sketch. Actually, I got a picture of it. <laughs> you're actually just talking about that. Uh, I was talking to somebody... Uh, at church actually and they had found out that I shoot competitively and they were like you do what and I was trying to explain it to them and I was talking about how great the people are and I said you know yeah these people even the top competitors like if someone's gun goes down they'll gladly be like well I've got a spare in the car get my backup gun and finish 
you know, because nobody wants the other person's stuff to be messed up. They want to compete against them, you know, at the top of their game too. And he was like, are you serious? Like they loan each other equipment if their stuff breaks. And I'm like, yeah, like all the time. Or if you don't have a piece of equipment that others do, they let them borrow it. And he was like, I've never heard of that in a sport. Like, that's crazy. Well, and to the person that just texted me, sometimes some people have more equipment issues than others. Anyway, it happens. <laughs> that is funny. Well, so tell us a little bit about the Twisted Barrel match. So we had you on right before you did the first one. And so tell us, give us an update of how that's going. Um, Y'all have been really busy. What all matches you're having there, what events you're having there. Just kind of give us a rundown. Yeah, so so I'm not as involved as I was. Um, Billy Don Kenny, you know, runs the day-to-day -day stuff there. And then Trey Fleming is his business partner. Both of them are very good friends of mine. Um, but yeah, I mean... You know, I, I got a chance to kind of start with them a little bit and to help, you know, in a, in a very small way with what they were doing with the range. And I'm going to tell you, um, from the growth in memberships to um, the match this weekend to all these opportunities, to be honest with you, it's turned out, I think, two to three times better than any of us really expected. And um, and so um, I, I want to really brag on them, um, you know, I, I had some ideas how the match would go this weekend, especially being involved there. That's my home range and stuff like that. Um, and I think the match honestly turned out twice as good as I even hoped for. Um, you know, we were done shooting by one o'clock on Saturday and 1130 on Sunday. That's amazing. Like that's like, I never want to shoot past one o'clock ever again. Um, you know, they, they had, you know, all the parking is perfect because you can park 50 yards from your starting stage and, and set all your equipment down. Um, the match flow was great. They did a good job with ROs, even with newer ROs, right? Everything went really good. I think they had one target failure all weekend. Um, and that's not to mention they knocked it out of the park on food, which I know you're thinking like, I'm just going to shoot a competition. And I agree, we all want a good competition, but they, it may be the best food I've ever had at this two day. Like they really, really did a great job. And, uh, and I'm, I'm really excited and happy for my friends, right? Like they, they did a great job, especially considering the first two day they've ever done there. So I, I'm happy for them. That's so tell awesome. us more about the food. <laughs> so we had a real light chicken wrap for run, lunch. They, uh, they had a local guy come out and do and cook all these chicken wraps. And then we had, probably the best steak and shrimp fajitas I've ever had in my life Saturday night, like best I've ever had in my life, just knocked it out of the park. Well, then for Sunday, they had these same guys come back in and they had individual prawns about yay long on that they cooked on shish kebabs and steak shish kebabs and these pita wraps. These guys also do grilled peaches which by the way are amazing um they just everything was just top notch man they did a really really good job and I, I hope they get a lot of support from industry and from shooters next year they did a great job man man and it's only man. 11 minutes from the airport too yeah it's 15 minutes max from Little Rocket. sir you have a date for next year i heard a lot of things uh, that i really like grilled peaches prawns steak yeah, yeah, they, uh, no, I have not heard a date for next year. I do not know. I, I would assume somewhere in middle July, but I have not heard. That's awesome. So 
One more thing kind of on that side, um, PRS in Arkansas has really kind of grown with having that match there and some regionals. Tell us, give us a little news update on how it's going in Arkansas. Yeah, so, you know, for the longest time, there was two or three shooters from Arkansas. It was me, Jeff Badley, and maybe one other person, you know, depending upon which way the wind blew, I guess. Um, so what you've got now is, is Twisted Barrel has been there for just right at a year and a half. And um, you've seen, you know, I think the first one day we had there, we did pull in a lot of buddies of mine from different states, but just local people. I think you had maybe 15 to 20 local guys from Arkansas that shot that match. Now you see at each one of their club matches in their one days, there's 40 to 50 local guys there. So it's definitely not, it hasn't exploded. Like you don't see the same attendance that you see at Corey and them's matches, right? They've developed a great scene down there and they deserve a lot of credit for that. At the same time, I think you give this range and those guys enough time. You're going to see hopefully Arkansas having the same caliber shooters that, I mean, you look at the guys out of Texas, um, Tennessee, Missouri, Oklahoma, you know, Mississippi, Louisiana, you see all those guys and you've got a, you've got a lot of amazing caliber shooters. Hopefully you'll continue to see that, or you'll see that in the future coming out of Arkansas. And there's already a couple of guys in Arkansas that are very, very good shooters. And they've only been at it a year and a half, you know? So like, I think, I think it's going to hopefully put Arkansas on the map as far as just level of competition. Yeah, that's a good point, but I think the biggest thing that makes the sport is what you were talking about is guys, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say you because I've heard a lot of your conversations with people, guys being so passionate about the sport that they go out and share it into you know like friends in the everyday life and really spreading it as their passion, right? Because you can tell when someone really enjoys something, like when you're hearing a good bass story or something, you know how much fun that was, right? Yeah, but yeah. that that's how things like that grow. The other thing that makes things grow is ranges. And I saw a lot of pictures of Hill's match and some of the other events that were at, at Twisted Barrel. Um, and one thing that I noticed was that's a lot of concrete work. That's a lot of dirt work. It's a really nice facility. Yeah. And so you've got you've got these places coming up now where people are investing in these matches and you're seeing them done right. Do you think that's where the sport's going, where you see a lot more of these K&M, Twisted Barrel, Cameo-type ranges, where you've really got that investment in the sport? You know, that's hard to say um, because people always vote with their feet, right? But I wish I could remember I had this exact conversation with somebody this weekend, and I cannot remember who said it to me, but it was a good shooter. And his exact words were, I think in the future, you're going to see more ranges and matches like this. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, more ranges and matches that were purpose-built for profit venues, right? And they were purpose-built to hold good, big two-day matches. And I think that guy's probably onto something. Um, I, I don't think you ever get away from um, the the ones that are not built with that purpose in mind, because to be honest with you, some of my favorite places are are Box Canyon and the Oklahoma matches. And they are not necessarily purpose built as a self-sustaining business, although it is a business. Um, So I I don't know. I see your point. Um, I do think we will see more of these. The question will be, will they ever be more than 50%? I don't know about that, at least 
that would be hard to see in the next eight years, I think. Um, but there are some, man, there's some huge benefits to the Altuses, the K&Ms, the Twisted Barrel, and I'll forget somebody else. But there's benefits to those okay, places. Right. MKM, you know, yeah, of course. And there's a, you know, there's benefits to those places that are purpose-built for-profit businesses because they were automatically aimed at this sport, right? So there's there's efficiencies there. Yeah, and I think right, and the other thing when a place is made around hosting matches, the infrastructure is just set up a little bit better for it. Um, uh, yeah. Man, one thing Trey and Billy Don did a great job of is this location. I mean, again, it's it's literally 15 minutes driving distance from the Little Rock Airport. It's 15 minutes from downtown Little Rock with nice hotels and food. Um, and let's face it, Little Rock is not necessarily the tourist destination that everybody thinks of, but it is definitely not a bad place. And I think a lot of people at the match had a great time this weekend, uh, or at least that's been the feedback I've got. Um, not just the match, but also everything else. Man, from everyone I talked to, they said it was amazing. And for a big, you know, two-day match, this being your first one, I can't wait for the next one because I'm definitely going to try to make it. Well, and like I said, considering they had 167 shooters there, they did a great job, man. That's not a small crowd to pull off a good job, and they did a great job. Yeah, absolutely. Spent nine years of my life in Arkansas. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do we have any lives, Greg? Um, let me check lives. Greg, I've got a live for you really quick. Uh, you might enjoy this. I don't know if Are I you a button? Can you see that? Yeah, can you, you still have that? a background. Oh, dang it. How you do I change that? Background, so we can't see. All right, give me a second. I'm going to take a picture for Greg. <laughs> he just disappeared. I think he's at Bucky's. I think I think I saw. Um, while Corey's doing that, we do have a live one for you, Greg, from John Sneed. Um, he said, "What's your uh, what's your load? What bullet powder and speed are you shooting right now?" Um, so I, um, yeah, just to answer the simple question, I'm running Alpha Brass. Um, there's a very good reason for that. His name is Tom Danielson. Um, I can't thank that guy enough for the help he's given me with a lot of questions that I've had. But Alpha Brass, um, large rifle primer, um, 43.35 ish of our and a 168 hybrid jumping about 20 thousandths. Um, that and I've just been doing that the last two months because Coulter Marriott was smarter and nicer than me. And he made me switch. And uh, I'm very grateful for Coulter's uh, influence. And um, yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. It runs about 2730, somewhere in there. Nice load. I think that's uh, that's faster than my first 6.5 Creed was shooting. <laughs> All right. That girl was slow that you had. That was so weird. I had a very short barrel, okay? I got a surgery, and now it's longer. Um, we're at about the midpoint of the show. Remember, if you're watching us live on Facebook, ask any questions you might have in the comments section of the video. We'll ask it live on air. Otherwise, to catch us, you can always check back on the Shooter's Mindset Facebook page. The videos stay up there forever. We usually upload to all the podcast apps the night after the show. 
And finally, everything eventually ends up on the Shooter's Mindset YouTube page. So that's a great pace, great place to look up past episodes. Um, so Greg, you were kind of involved a little bit in the in a pretty big decision that was just recently made. Um, the IPRF decided that due to the political climate, South Africa might not be the best place for us to go for a match next year. Um, how did they make the decision to move the 2024 World Championships to Cameo? Yeah, so that's a that's a good question, and I want to point out not to, not to disagree with you, but I want to give the South African team a lot of credit. You know, um, those guys wanted to have it there as long as as well as a lot of us, right? Like they, you know, the majority of people in France, there was two countries that were voted on, South Africa being the being the country that that won. Um, you have to give the South African team a lot of credit for, for just being willing for whatever reason, whether it was politically and there's some infrastructure reasons as well, um, to put the shooters first, right. And to say, you know, Hey, this isn't our time, maybe in two more years. Right. And so, um, they get a lot of credit for just withdrawing from doing that as far as, you know, why it came to the U S, um, when we were in France, the um, representatives from each country, which would normally be at the time, uh, Lundberg, Eric Lundberg and Sean Murphy, um, they were not there. And so they they asked two, two people to represent us there. It was me and Buck Holly. And um, so you had two representatives from each country that participated. And there were two nominations, right? Two countries that the world felt like could do it. And that was South Africa and the United States. And so um, South Africa got a majority of the vote. The U.S. got the minority of the vote, and uh, and so when it when South Africa had to pull back, well, then you just you just go back to the second nomination or the second country that got the most votes, which was us. Um, so it was kind of it was really a procedural deal. At the same time, you know, because of the freedom we have and the number of ranges and the resources and everything else, it makes it much easier for us to do something in a shorter timetable than some other countries, right? And so, um, but that was the gist of the decision was, hey, we were the only country, other country voted on there. Um, so it's already been put to a vote. You just go to the next one in line. I think it's important to say too, that I don't think, cause I'm in on some of those chats. I don't think that uh, South Africa is not ever gonna have one. I think that they will oh, no. have a world championship there in the near future. Yeah. I think they um the timing was just rough because they've got an election going and you know you know how it is even here when we have election year and people are mad yeah. and you know don't like I that. love the system so, bar yeah 100% right so i think that south africa i think we will see a world championship in south africa in the near future i hope so yeah i hope so i i hope so i want to go there yeah i think that'll be fun I tell you, I uh, ROed the NRL 22 national, or they call it national championships. It really is international championships. Either way, I ROed the the big NRL 22 match a couple weekends ago, and my favorite squad was the squad full of South Africans. They were the nicest crew of people, and they were they were just super super sweet. So I hope that I get an excuse to go to South Africa and see more of of them sometime soon. Um, I'm going to hit a couple lives real quick. Um, Greg, Rudy wants to know if you could tell us a bit about your training regimen. Um, well, 
I've been shooting since 2016 and um, I've shot a lot and um, I don't practice much anymore. Um, I'll, I'll tune up the week before a match with some positional stuff. If I'm specifically dealing with something um, like a bad habit or something that I'm not doing right, um, then I'm going to train more at the first of the year. Um, I put in, you know, probably a thousand rounds or so in the first two months practicing, just getting used to the recoil of a 308. Um, but right now, if I'm going out to do anything, I'm, I'm checking my load. And I'm, che I'm checking to make sure that 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 my dope is perfect from, you know, 100 to 1,000. Um, and for me, that's probably the most important thing. It's probably it's a funny anecdote. Um, so my first finale, I can't remember. I, the first finale I made was 18, and it may have been 18 or 19. But I asked Mr. Brian Allen if he would help me train me, get me ready for the finale. So I drove three and a half hours to Rayville, Louisiana, and uh, Brian got there that morning. He goes, all right, you ready? And I said, yeah. He said, all right, load up all your stuff. Let's, we went out to the Morris's, my buddy Dustin and Patrick Morris and Mr. Todd. He said, we're going out to the Morris's, going to get your dope check. I said, okay. All right, so we'll check dope and we'll you know practice while we're out there. You know, We spent an hour and a half um, and we walked it out three different times, fine tuning that load. Um, from, from zero to a thousand, right? Uh, maybe we even went a little bit further than that. And we got done. He said, all right, buddy, you're ready to go. And I never told Mr. Brian this, uh, but at the time I was kind of like, I mean, aren't you going to train me some, you know? And he goes, this is the most important thing you could do. Well, as I've shot a lot more, I realized that most, most top guys, and I'm not necessarily including myself there, but most top guys, one thing that they have as good or better than anybody is their dope is correct. They know for a fact that their gun is on. And so if I think about the stuff that I do these days, man, there's a specific technique that I'm working on with the rifle that Francis Cologne shared with me that's been a huge help to me, and I'm still trying to ingrain that. But then other than that, I'm, you know, I'm spending time just making sure my dope's good and my zero's good. And then, you know, I go shoot a match. Um, I could probably do better if I did more, or I might do worse if I did more. I don't know. That's a... Uh... It's important to know a lot of guys uh, across all... Make sure you know, make sure you trust your gear. On the PRS side, make sure you trust your dope, but it's it's not all that complicated. You have a lot of really good stuff. You trust it, and then you just go out and do what you do. Yeah, well, in a different lifetime, I shot pistols before I before I got into PRS, and um, I was a, an extremely average pistol shooter. Um, but for me, pistol skills are something that diminish much more rapidly than bolt gun skills if that makes sense and and once you get to a certain level in the prs i think most guys yes. tell you um most guys would tell you that most of what we're going to do on is solid and it's lined out perfectly man most of it's mental at that point if you've shot enough and you've got your stuff down and you can practice all you want and it won't necessarily help nor hurt you but your mental stuff on game day is really all that's going to matter after a certain point Absolutely. Um, once you learn how to kind of point at a target and acquire something and, and pull a good trigger, yeah, there's a lot of like routine things that a match that can trip you up and cost you one season, two season, but nothing like pistol where you, your draw, your reload, 
you don't have that shoulder contact. It, the pistol coming from a guy that's going to shoot a three-gun match right now, the pistol is like if you don't practice it every day just a little bit, it starts to go. Yeah, 100%. I got one more live. Uh, Mike Bell wants to know if Greg Bell shoots rimfire. I do not. I do not. Um, uh, I have never, I mean, I've got a 22 sitting right over there, but I've never shot a rimfire match or anything more than just shooting squirrels and raccoons in the backyard with a 22. You should try Which, it. By the way, fun. by the way, raccoons move really fast. So I have kind of shot a little competition. <laughs> Helping the turkey population. Oh, so this is from the match director side of me. Uh, obviously, you shoot a lot. If you were to host a match, let's say, would you rather host or would you rather shoot a match? Let's say it's kind of like a world level match. So that's a good question because it's honestly a conundrum that I'm faced with right now. Um, when I, when we first, when Marcus first called me and told me that it was going to be in the U.S. if we would accept, you know, um, immediately there's there's parts of me that man, my whole goal this year, the only thing I wanted um, was I wanted to shoot good enough to make the U.S. team and represent the U.S. in 308 in limited division. So now that the match will be coming to the U.S. next year. Um, it puts a pretty big, um, it puts a different thought process in my mind, right? So there's, there's part of me that's just the ultimate competitor that doesn't want to give up on the work that I put in. And, and I have put in a lot of work and I, I, I want to earn that spot if I can. At the same time, wisdom might tell a man that if he's the guy that wears the fuzzy hat for an organization, and ultimately, at the end of the day, he is responsible for that match. Does he not need to just step aside and, and be a part of the match, but not a part of the team? The fact is, I don't, and I'm not being mean or rude, I don't need anybody's opinion on that, because that's something internally that I'm going to have to really decide. And I've got a few close friends that are going to help advise me on that. Um, thankfully, we've got Ken Wheeler and Michael Beamer that are coming in as match directors, that if I can trust any two people, it's, it's Beamer and Ken, you know, I've got no problems there. I'm not, but at the same time, I know my personality and I'm, I am concerned that I'm, my head won't be in it, that I will be concerned about logistics. Are people happy? Are people having a good time? Did somebody just AD? What just happened? Um, you know, things like that. So all that being said, what would I rather do? Man, I'm selfish. Um, I would rather earn a spot and I'd rather shoot a match <laughs> at the same time. I've had a chance to be a part, a small part of, you know, y'all mentioned shoot with the pros there at twisted barrel, um, along with impact precision and foundation. You know, I had a chance to be a part of that. And there's a lot of pride for me in putting on a good event and working your, working your rear off, you know, to do something good. So here's what I've told people. If I get a chance right. to shoot on the team, then, and if I get to shoot, then I win. If I don't get a chance to make the team or I choose not to shoot, then I get to be a part of the match and I win, right? I'm going to I'm gonna have fun no matter what. Um, but part of it's just my personality and, and part of it's there's joy in hard work and doing a good job, whether it pays off or not, there's joy in a job well done. Oh, absolutely. Uh, 
coming from someone that does stuff in the background for matches and then shoots matches as well. There is, you know, there's a good amount that you can do with both and you can do both. Um, the nice thing is if you do stuff in the background and you've got matches, you know, that are, that are going to be able to put on the match. Once the first shot goes down range, your job's over. It's their job, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you might get to well, do both. Hey, we'll I know see. you won't. I, mean, I know you'll want to do I, one. <laughs> well, the main thing is I want to protect not only my integrity, right? What happens if I make yep. the team and let's say I shoot really good? Um, what happens if I right. win limited division? You know, um, yeah. does that call into question my integrity about, well, he just knew the course of fire, which obviously would not be true. But at the same time, yeah. you need to make sure that you're above board. At the same time, does it also call into integrity the match? And to be honest right. with you, I'm just going to, those are things I'm going to have to sort out over the next six months, you know. And I, I think I've got two or three good friends that would advise me to make the right decision. And that kind of takes it out of my hands to where the selfishness doesn't play into it, you know. Yeah. But going back to kind of the people in this sport, I don't think there's anyone that genuinely believes that someone like you would ever have the course of fire or do anything like that. Um, if anything, yeah. I think you'd be shooting at 70 to 80% of your own skill level because you spent so much time to make sure yeah. you know, the match was that world experience. That's what I think will happen. Well, I hope you shoot well. That's, well, me too, but we'll see. You know, the main thing is it's it's bigger than me, right? It's bigger than just right. me. And, um, yep. and I need to keep that in mind. Um, that's that's important. Yeah, no, if you're, if you're involved in that way, it's always about, you know, the two, 300, 400 people there that they have the best experience ever. And they say, yeah. you know, what, what you said about Twisted Barrel, man, this was the best match I've ever been to. Can't wait to go back next year because then people like me are like, well, what, what's the date? Let's go. That's how yeah. it grows. I'll tell you what. Yeah, I hope so, man. If you want to do something for the background of the match where you still won't see the course of fire, get them food guys that you were talking about earlier up there for this match. <laughs> yes, sir. I, I might have to look into that. I mean, that's one th thing that we're hoping, you know, not only are we competitive like the shooters, right? Like we we're as competitive as anybody, but I'll be honest with you on the other side of that, um, man, I want to have the best course of fire. I've already got what I think are the best MDs. Um, we want to have the best location the world has ever seen. We want to have everything, the best ROs, all these things, the best trophies. So there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot put into it to feel like we did as good as we could to put on the best world championship that anybody's ever been to for the next 10, 20 years, right? Like that's our goal. There's one thing <coughs> I forgot there. The best, the best live coverage of the match ever. And that was the most important thing, which goes without saying. So I didn't even say it because it goes without saying. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. But yeah, that 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 is a cool thing about, you know, normally just hosting a match. And, you know, for me at my 20, 30 person, 22 matches, it's, uh, you know, not quite as big as, you know, you have people coming from around, like all the way around the world. Like a majority of the competitors are going to be from out of the States. Yeah, absolutely. To be able to have them go back and be like, you guys, these Americans, they are crazy. You have got to see these pictures I took from this match. It is ridiculous. Like that's a that's a big accomplishment there to, you know, the week after the match, have literally people around the world talking about how yeah. awesome it was.
Man, and, and a lot of things, speaking of that, are going to be geared towards the rest of the world. One of the things that we've already talked about that we want to try to do um, within reason and without putting asking any industry you know, partners to be put at a disadvantage or put out. But um, one of the things I, would, I hope we're able to accomplish that we're going to be actively working on is having as many industry people there as we can that want to be a part of it. But we're going to ask them, hey, if you can, would you have non-ITAR, non-illegal products for sale. You know, if people want to come over and grab parts or bags or, or whatever is legal, mm-hmm. super legal, um, then, man, whatever would help those other guys out, that's something that's going to be important for us to try to um, just just give them a shake at different products, different companies, or maybe allow them to pick some stuff up if that helps them. And hopefully... Nobody in another country that doesn't like that idea, like in their government, doesn't hear this podcast and sandbag me on it. But anyway, I'm assuming this all is okay. Yeah, it, it sounds legal. And I, I I know that that's a huge thing in the other countries is, you know, I can go to ArmageddonGear.com and order anything I want. And they got yeah. cheap, fast shipping. And I'll have all of my stuff probably tomorrow or the day after. It helps being an hour and a half, two hours I go over to AJ Sporting yeah. Goods, you know, all these websites and get good stuff shipped to me quick, cheap. And I know Buck was talking to me a lot about it at Gap Grind, I think, about just how, you know, some of these people in other countries would do anything to get our, our prices and deals and whatnot. So I think that would be a great idea. And it would help out all of our, you know, all of your sponsors to say, hey, send a truck. I promise it'll all sell out. Well, I don't want to be throwing out them kind of promises, but we're we're just doing this to try to help other other competitors in other countries, man. That 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 really is it's important to me, and I'm not trying to act like I only have altruistic motives in everything that I do. But something that really is important to me, and I'll say it until people get tired of it, is I, I really feel like the the things that are going on with the IPRF and even our small contribution with the USPRA. Um, in my, at least the way I see it is, it's a small way for me to try to give and, and afford other people the opportunities that I've had, whether it's a high level of competition, whether it's access to products, people, and all this other stuff, man. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that I'm an angel. I'm not. But I really do want other people in other countries to have had the same opportunities that we've enjoyed here. And the way we do that is by growing the sport and growing the competition and, and these worlds I think do that because they give a different goal level and a different look at being able to shoot against different competitors, different courses of fire. I, I think it's a great thing, man. And I'm yeah. I'm gonna throw one out there too. Um, oh, um, you know, we got so many people in our country, you know, like Brian Litz. Could we, should we bring him out there for a class? Brian, are you listening? I'm not volunteering anybody at this point, but don't get oh, me wrong. Did. Those thoughts have absolutely crossed my mind. No, no. And Greg, I'll tell you, we did some classes at our best in Texas event. Camden Powers did one. The guys at WeBad did one. Uh, Robert Brantley did one. And we had some awesome feedback from those classes. Uh, so the other thing that I'd say is, you might work with a few companies on doing a prairie dog hunt because I know it's not seasoned for mule deer, elk, any of the any of the big western stuff. But if, man, when I think of Colorado and kind of western states like that, prairie dog hunting is a unique experience. 
And if you can work with a few people on setting up trips for guys after that, where they go on hunts like that, that would be, that'd be an experience to remember. But I think that's a good idea and things like that are good at the same time. Um, I want to be super careful because the good idea fairy lives inside my truck at times. That's what it seems like, right? And um, I want to make sure that the main things are the main things, you know, and that we accomplish those in an extraordinary right. way. And and because, I, again, I'm the king of good intentions and, and bad delivery or something like that. And so, but anyway, no, I think that's a great idea. Um, just, I just have to make, I just have to be careful. Sometimes my ideas overload, overload my hummingbird rear. Um, so anyway. <laughs> well, it seems like the industry is on board. Uh, Brad from Leupold is watching and he said they're already working on it. So I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Brad has already told me that each shooter is getting like a thousand dollar check whenever they show up from Leupold. Like that was super nice to them. Um, I'm, completely, completely, I'm completely kidding um i but i do appreciate <laughs> leopold um from from the get-go even whenever you know um i was first involved with the uspra leopold has been like always told me they've got my back whatever we need they were going to send stuff to south africa and i i'm I very much am grateful for how they kind of lead uh, from the front as far as industry support goes for things like this so obviously they're not sending checks to everybody, but I do appreciate Brad and Nick's support. Um, they've been really, really good to me. Yep. That's good Good folk right there. So from your previous experience, what's your favorite part about shooting abroad? Shooting, oh, shooting abroad. Oh, sorry. Well, there's a joke there. Um, <laughs> so, um, anyway, man, that's hard to say. There's so many facets. So I will tell you this, my life would be much poorer if I hadn't had a chance to meet the people that I met in France. Um, not necessarily the French people in charge of the supermarkets because they were not very nice, but everybody else that we met over there was phenomenal, man, especially the competitors. Um, you know, the buddies that I have that I could call and just, you know, I, I just, I, I can't really put a price on that because that does mean a lot to me, uh, is the friendships. That being said, the food was awesome. Being able to travel around with Partain, Buck Holly, Morgan, Rusty, and Paul Higley, and just the shenanigans that we pulled all week long, I mean, that was worth a million dollars, right? Like, I, it's hard to say, um, but I mean, the people at the end of the day, you know, the people, and again, I'm not trying to act like I'm an angel here, but the people that we met there to me were the best part because there are some really good friendships that I've developed out of that that I'm very grateful for. It sounds like a fun time. And I couldn't agree with that more. Saw some great napping pictures too. <laughs> <laughs> so Greg, I've got to ask you, it's one of my favorite questions to ask. If you can only pick competition or hunting, Pick one for the rest of your life. What are you going with? Competition. Not even a question. Why? So I love, I like to hunt, but here's the deal with hunting. And it's just, this is the example I give every time, especially when, let's use deer hunting as an example. I love to deer hunt. I, I haven't even gone hunting in the last couple of years unless my kids do it. I, I enjoy that. That's a blast for me. But here's the problem. 
I could work all year long setting up this food plot and these scrapes and all of this <laughs> other magical stuff to lure in this like that afternoon. I got to be careful the adjectives that I use because there's no need to use that. But let's just say a seven-year-old girl would could kill one that's 20 inches bigger than mine. I couldn't, like, there's no winning in hunting. There's no way to win. And and I want to win, even though I don't win very much at all. Like, the competitor in me wants to know I've got a chance. Like, I've got the same set of rules, the same set of targets. We're not dealing with the same set of targets hunting, you know? And so yeah. that's my childish competitive side is I'll take competition any day of the week, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, my buddy Patrick Morris in Louisiana, you know, he's one of those ones that he's kind of taught me, like, look, man, if we're playing marbles, that's fine, as long as I know the rules and we can play for keeps and there's a number one at the end of it. No, we'll play marbles. <laughs> that is fair. That is, uh, that's the first time I've heard it described that way, but I've heard that situation on unfold more than once whether it's a seven-year-old girl the first <laughs> never underestimate how childish i am and how pity i am so. <laughs> <laughs> that's so so that being said you're obviously a competitive spirit so what are your goals for this year and then it's halfway through so do you have any big goals you're going to go for next year also um, so, um, the one guy already asked about my training and, and that was, um, I basically gave him a nothing burger. And one of the other areas that I lack in my mental preparedness or my competitive streak sometimes is goal setting, right? And, and part of the reason is personally on the mental side, goals are a good thing. There's no problem with that. And Lanny Basham would punch me if he heard me say otherwise, right? And I would agree with him. On the other hand, I, I have a tendency, if I focus on goals, I have a tendency to put too much internal pressure on myself. So many times, if I'm going to have a goal, it's going to be something I can accomplish, right? Like, I want to see every shot. Um, I want to not take anything less than 100% where my reticle is supposed to be before that trigger pull is pulled. That being said, yes, I, I, I didn't know how it would go this year switching over to 308. Um, I, I am excited to shoot against the guys I've mentioned earlier at the finale and to be able to see how I measure up against them in the same squad. Um, I, I could say that a small goal, yes, is to win TAC division in the U.S. But to be super honest, having had the chance to be on that stage internationally, my goal at the start of the year was to make the team and to shoot as good as I can at Worlds. If I still get that opportunity, that's still my overarching goal and matters more to me than really anything else. At the same time, my next goal is to shoot good enough to make next year's team, right? And to be a contributing factor on that. Um, I, I, you know, like I said, that may seem very, well, my wife would tell you I have tunnel vision with the worst of them. Uh, Rusty Ulmer would probably tell you the same thing about me. Um, but at the same time, like that's my goal. I, that was as much fun as I've ever had. On, uh, on a stage like that, it was just, that was it, right? And um, and so that's my continuing goal until I probably have a heart attack from my poor eating habits and all the stress, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's my goal. Um, that, that's, that's what matters. Good goals. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Very good goals. You could learn to do, uh, you could go and shoot rimfire and then uh, 
then you have another opportunity. Uh, as I've told people, somebody, you know, so when it concerns farming, right, people will go, well, why don't you raise cotton or peanuts? We farm corn and beans, or why don't you raise rice? And I, I tell people, it's like, look, I can only suck at one thing at a time. I'd be <laughs> danged if I'm going to add something else to suck at. So, like, I'm not adding rimfire to that list. Like, I already get my soul crushed at many matches. I don't need to go to another sport and get punked out. Um, that being said, I'm going to have to get – if I'm going to – if 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 the USPRA continues to allow me to to be involved in a leadership role, um, that is one area to where I'm going to have to step up because so far I've been able to lean on um, a lot of good leadership from our rimfire team. Um, but that's not really fair to them for me to not have a little bit better knowledge if I'm going to be involved in any way on the decision making on that side. Um, so all that being said, that is something that I'm going to have to work on. That's, that's fair. You can get the trying to focus on one and not, you know, you can yeah. be the, the master of one or the one. Yeah. I'm, plus I'm fairly, I'm fairly sure I'll be sleeping outside if I told my wife I was picking up another show. <laughs> so, um, no. Oh, that's so funny. Do we have any more lives? We are good on the live side. All right. Well, with that, uh, we're about to wind down to shout outs, but I did want to just say that we will be in Italy and um, but this is just going to be a shameless plug here. But if anyone is interested in helping support the uh, Shooters Mindset team to go over to Italy, we are still accepting uh, commercial slots. So we have some commercial slots if anybody wants to do that hit us up on our Facebook page and um, we can get you some information if you would like. It just helps cover the costs because it's a lot of money for us to get over there and, and you know, find a Starlink and all the iPads and microphones and walkie-talkies and all that good stuff. So anyway, Greg, did you raise your hand? Oh, yeah, so I've got a lot of box tops left over. My kids use those for fundraisers. Could, do y'all take that? Those box tops, <laughs> those CPCs or something? Like, does that work? <laughs> do you think we could get some money back on it <laughs> <laughs> probably not doesn't seem to work for the kids so <laughs> i know i don't know how that works exactly my kids used to do it too that and the, the bottle caps or the, the tabs off of cans i never understood that one either but i guess you can get money for the aluminum maybe we should start doing that do a fundraiser of that <laughs> anyway we are getting t-shirts made for us to wear i said i wonder if people would want to buy those i think you'd want to buy a t-shirt put it in the chat so we could see what interest there is but uh anyway we'll uh wind it down now to shout outs so we'll start with our traveling friend Corey. <laughs> and i just want to shout out greg uh, so greg has been in the background doing a whole bunch of amazing things for the sport uh, he's an awesome guy to be around he's an awesome guy to be at a match with he can't cut garlic to save his life but that's okay he's got someone else to do it for him <laughs> but greg you're an awesome dude uh, and thank you for everything you do for the sport i feel like there's thank a story. yeah I, he was I assigned he was to task cannon <laughs> I, can, I can cook. 
<laughs> Greg's like, I'll go head to head on cooking now. I can cook. Let's say I, I won't shoot against you. Well, I mean, I'll shoot against you, but I'm going to lose. But I'll, I'll do a cook off. <laughs> All right, Greg Cannon. All right, so I got one more live from uh, Tyler Orth. He said, thanks, Greg, for all that you're doing for our team. It's very much appreciated. Thank you very much, Tyler. Um, those words matter a lot to me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And then uh, my big shout out for tonight is to Masterpiece Arms, who is going to be our title sponsor for our trip to Italy. Um, they stepped up in a big way for everybody back home, everybody all over the world, anyone that's not in the match. Um, they're helping. They've helped us out a lot. You know, as you see behind me, we have our portable Starlink, um, $1,900 flights to Italy, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, so thank you to Masterpiece Arms for everything you did for us, because without you guys, this would not be possible. That is very true. Very true. All right. And then Greg Bell, what you got? Uh, man, mine's going to be a little long-winded, but I'm going to hurry. Um yeah. I, I want to, <laughs> I, I do want to, you know, she doesn't get near enough credit, uh, but my wife sees the, the time and energy that I put into certain things, much less she allows me to do what I love to do. And um, I couldn't do any of it without my wife. And I'm very grateful for her. And, um, and that being said, you know, the companies that, that support me in different ways, um, you know, Foundation Stocks, Impact Precision, and Joe Walls with Walls Rifles, um, those guys and their friendships, you know, mean the world to me. And uh, just <laughs> anyway, I'm very grateful for them. Um, on, on a different side of things, um, you know, I'm grateful for the opportunity to do what I do with the USPRA. Um, I suspect um, that there's things I could have done better. And I suspect there's things I could have probably gotten worse. You know, um, I'm very I want to give a shout out to our team that's going to Italy. Um, they've been very patient and gracious and like Tyler, you know, very thankful at times. Um, and it is, you know, you do this stuff for free because you have a passion. And uh, at the same time, I'm very grateful for the people that have, you know, just given back to me a little bit like that. Um, <clears throat> I, I want to give a shout out to Marcus Olson, the IPR president. Um, for the friendship and kind of the advice on a lot of things, as well as Ken Wheeler. You know, Ken is Ken's just one of those dudes you don't come across very often. And um, I'm very grateful for his leadership for the PRS and then also just his personal friendship to support me in whatever I'm doing in these things, you know. So I'll forget 100 people, but I'm very grateful for the France team. And um, and then, you know, their their work behind the scenes has equaled what mine has been many times, especially they put up with my phone calls, asking their opinion and trying to get feedback and doing these things. And I've, I've never done it perfectly, but they've shown me a lot of grace as I try to navigate this role. So I'm very grateful for them and shout outs to them. That's awesome. Lots of great people in this sport. Well, I just want to, at the end, I just, my shout out, I wanted to go to Jim Scouten and everything that he did throughout his life for the shooting sports and Second Amendment. Um, he was a huge, huge advocate for our Second Amendment rights and for the shooting sports in general. Um, and so because of that, with that shout out, we're going to end episode 412 by saying, as always, shoot safely, shoot often, and keep them in the tin ring.